You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You know what time it is. It's Prophet Pearls, face-to-face, whatever it takes, in the land of Israel, the city of Jerusalem. I'm here with Nehemia Gordon. We're now in what I call the Isaiah series. We have already done two sections of Isaiah, and we're about to do a third section of Isaiah. We're actually in Isaiah chapter 49, 14. We still got the same Prophet Pearl partners, the Maccabees. Thank you, Maccabees. Who have really stood with us uh, on a number of occasions and all those others. We really appreciate you. We're going to be jumping into something where Zion's going to speak. That's right, folks. Zion is going to speak. Isaiah 49, verse 14. And I think this is really interesting. I'm going to start this out if it's okay. Mm -hmm. So it says, um, and it says, uh, yes, actually it says, and and Zion said, now, I want to ask a question before we get into this too far. So Zion is like a, a proper noun, correct? Yeah, so it's a name. It, it's a name, but in the said, it it it's it, in in the in the actual said here when it says, but Zion said, am I confused here? Is this not a third feminine singular to say? Yeah, so it's literally in Hebrew, you can't say somebody said without saying is it one one or more, many, uh, and whether it's first, second, or third person, meaning is it uh, you know I mm-hmm. we second person is you. Third mm-hmm. person is he, she, they. So here it's literally, and Zion, she said, Azavani Yehovah, Yehovah has, has abandoned me. Has left me. So Zion, she said. Yes. Zion, Zion, and why said. is that? Because in Hebrew, cities are feminine. That's right. The Lord has forsaken me. And you know, folks, the reason I, the reason I ask him these questions is he says, oh, it's obvious. That such and such and such and such. And of course, feminine. feminine. It's like a boat in English. <laughs> but it's funny. You know, it's funny. If you look at the word city, mm-hmm. you can't tell from looking at it that it's feminine. Mm-hmm. It's an irregular. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Poor you. (laughs) (laughs) For those who speak Hebrew, we know there are certain words that, in other words, let's back up for people. In Hebrew, every noun is either masculine or feminine. You Mm -hmm. don't have that in English. In English, for example, a boat's feminine, maybe a car is feminine. But, you know, I don't know, a building isn't masculine or feminine. It's neuter, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually called in grammar the neuter. Mm -hmm. So you say about a building it, you don't say she. But in Hebrew, there's no such thing as neuter. Everything is either masculine or feminine, every noun. So table is either masculine or feminine. Window is either masculine or feminine. And we know most words, whether they're masculine or feminine, based on the ending. Yep. If it has the kamatze ending, for example, the word Torah, Torah. is feminine. How do I know that? Because it ends with kamatze, with that ah. Um, but there are exceptions like the word cherev, sword, the word ir, city, that uh, even though they don't have the kamatze ending, nevertheless, they're feminine. Mm-hmm. And so cities are feminine. There it, is, folks. Don't there it is, folks. And you yeah. know what? By now, if you're going through this course, you actually understand exactly what Nehemiah is talking about. <laughs> if not, you better learn what course. No, 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 no. Well, so we're talking about we're going to talk about that later. Hold on. Here we go. Can a woman forget? Okay. Okay. So wait. No, hold on. Hold on. In your ministry. I jumped. I jumped in ahead here. She yeah. said, uh, okay. But Zion, she said, Yehovah is forsaking me and Yehovah has forgotten me. Yeah. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Man, I love these questions. Yeah. And have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, but here it comes, friend. But I will not forget you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much so, I'm going to inscribe you on the palms of my hands. Can we go back to 15 before you, you got it? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, you got your thing going on at 16. No, 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 we'll no. Talk no. about that. Yeah. But let's talk about 15. Yeah. 
So 15 is really interesting because God is likened to a mother. Mm-hmm. There's a you know metaphor there. God is like a mother. And, um, you know, that's interesting because, you know, we, we, we have this discussion about, you know, God as a he, that God is the father and he is our father. But he in some passages, and it's not many, but in some of them, he's actually likened to a woman, metaphorically speaking. Your mouth is dropping. No, no, no. I mean, I can't believe this, Nehemiah. You're going to break from your uh, chauvinistic uh, I'm approach. I'm not chauvinistic. I've got four sisters. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm very... No, you know, I'm like it. I'm with you. Go ahead. Okay. You know, I, 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 look, I mean, my, my sister, Professor Ariel gordon Shog said it best. You know, our parents taught us that men and women are equal. Amen. Um, you know, and obviously they have different responsibilities in some, you know, in, in some senses, but, you mm-hmm. know, they, they're before God... Um, God's not a man in the sense that, uh, well, it says God is not a man that he should lie, nor son of man. But he's also not a man in the sense (laughs) that he has, you know, the XY chromosome that that's human beings. Um, and we metaphorically refer to him as a male, uh, because by default in Hebrew, if, if, you know, it's interesting, if I'm speaking to a group of men in Hebrew, I speak in one form of the verb. Um, and then if I'm speaking to a group of women, I speak differently as the feminine, but if I'm speaking to a mixed group, it's, it's a thousand women and only one man, you get it's, it's in the masculine, which mm-hmm. is the default in Hebrew. And that's something. So God is in the default. He is the masculine, but he's also metaphorically our father. But in this passage, he's metaphorically a woman, mm-hmm. right? Am I wrong? No, no question. No. Um, okay. And um, anyway, so there's a really cool verse in Numbers chapter 11, verse 15, where Moses is speaking to God and he refers to God as you. And Hebrew has four different ways of expressing you. Ata for a man, one man. At for one woman. Atem for multiple men. Aten for multiple women. And remember, if you're speaking to both men and women together, it's atem, the masculine. Mm-hmm. And, and this must sound very difficult for English speakers because we don't distinguish between you singular and you plural. We certainly don't distinguish between you masculine and you feminine. Mm-hmm. Hebrew has all those distinctions. Now, I know it where I lived in a little bit of time in Texas. And there they do have a distinction between y'all and all y'all. Mm-hmm. All y'all is the plural, um, and y'all is a singular mm-hmm. <laughs> in certain parts of text, certain parts of the South. So Hebrew always has a distinction between you, 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 and you. Singular, plural, feminine, masculine. And here's the point. Numbers chapter 11, verse 15, God, uh, Moses says to God, And if thus shall you do to me, kill me for, uh, etc. He goes on there. Um, uh, if... Uh, if I find favor in your eyes, etc. So here he's referring to God one, two, three, four different times in the verse in a way that we can tell if it's masculine and feminine. The first time it's feminine. He says, At, you, God, as a feminine. And then the second, third, and fourth time, God is masculine, which mm-hmm. is really, really interesting. I mean, we could have a whole discussion about Moses referring to God in the feminine. The point is, God doesn't actually have a gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Moses can actually switch back and forth between feminine and masculine. Uh, pretty cool. Mm. Numbers eleven fifteen. Now can we talk about 16, your verse? <sighs> 16, behold. Mm-hmm. I have inscribed. You know what? I got to go back to that. You know what's interesting? Yeah. So there are there are people, and we, we've been joking with each other about, about who's got a feminist agenda, masculine, a chauvinist agenda. But you know what really has been sad to me? What's that? Is that when, is when um, people will actually approach the scriptures with an agenda ahead of time. And will change the grammar, or will change the uh, actually what's Give said. Me, what do you refer to? No, so example. for example, there's there are books, there are now Bible translations that are called, you know, I I, I don't even know the names of them, but where they said we're gonna re- we're gonna remove all uh, um, male um, reference to God, 
we're going to remove all yeah no and this happens really? no this this has really been a, it was a big deal not not so much recently but well, I know there's some where it'll talk about you know at, like in the New Testament translation it'll say brothers and they'll make it brothers and sisters right yeah those that, that happens that happens but there's other ones that are a little bit more aggressive with it and I think that the key is and what you just brought up is a great example where when the text does say what it says you you go ahead and say it it's what the text says and when yeah. the text doesn't say it you don't say it. And what I think what bothers me about it is do not add, do not subtract. They actually do add and they actually mm. do subtract. And so anyway, yeah. that's all I want to say about that. Okay. 4916, behold, yeah. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. And actually, I don't think it says, um, does it say that? Oh, hold on. Yeah. On the palms. Yeah. Behold, and there he's speaking to Israel as, mm-hmm. as, or Zion as a mm-hmm. feminine. says, Behold, I have inscribed you upon the palms. Yeah, on the palms, yes. Uh, your walls are against me mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. So can, can, I, can I go off the, the reservation a little bit here? Oh, boy. So, and I know this isn't your interaction, you know, this isn't your experience, but my experience with scripture, one of my experiences is, you know, I've had the experience with the rabbis, but the other experience I've had is encountering Christian missionaries. Mm-hmm. And they'll bring me these verses and they'll say, how can you look at this verse and not see it? And um, I read this verse and if not I, see what? That we're right that, you know, this verse refers to Jesus and that verse refers to Jesus. Not, not this verse, but many verses I'll bring and say, you know, that verse refers to Jesus and the other verse refers to Jesus. And uh, you haven't encountered this? I mean, you didn't because you came from that right. perspective, whatever. Yeah. But many Jews have had this experience, and 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 I was really genuinely surprised when I was preparing for this passage that Christian missionaries don't use this verse. Because if I were a Christian missionary, this would be on the top of my list of verses to bring. Bring it, preach. God us. is saying, "I have inscribed you upon the palms," and maybe it's because I'm reading it in Hebrew, and the word for inscribed doesn't just mean write; it means to etch. Mm-hmm. You know, and the image I have is you take a chisel and you smash it with the hammer. And that's how you etch something in stone. And here he's saying, I've etched you upon the palms. How is this not brought by Christian missionaries? I mean, is it obvious how they could use this? Help us. Okay. If I were a Christian missionary, I would read it this way. Behold, I etched you on my palms with the nails of the crucifixions of crucifixion. Your walls of disbelief are against me always. How is it that they don't bring this verse? Hmm. It's a threefer. Can I explain how it's a threefer? For Christians. No, it's a three-fur. Number one, the wounds in Christ's hands. Number two, God is speaking. So Christ is God. That's, you know, and, and God has wounds in his hands caused by the Jews. And number three, the Jews have put up walls of disbelief that hurt God's feelings. I'm I'm shocked that Christians don't bring this verse. Well, I think part of the reason is the last part of it. You said against, and in most translations, it yeah. says your walls are continually or, you know, like they'll... They, it, it, but it's negative. Look, you see the word in Hebrew. Yeah. It, can, it can mean against me. You set up these walls against me to keep out your faith in me against the wall, the wounds in my hand. I, I'm not trying to be... I mean, I am partially being facetious, but I'm genuinely surprised when I was preparing this, I started looking at all these different Christian commentaries looking for, okay, well, there's got to be somebody who brings this, right? Maybe it's not mainstream. Maybe it's just some opinions. Maybe mm-hmm. some of the Messianics have figured this out and they've got the spiritual explanations with the Gematria and so and nobody brings this. And, and I really don't know what the answer is. I'm really surprised that they don't see this as some kind of, you know, messianic prophetic prophecy. Um, you know, and, and and on the other hand, like, I think most people hearing this say, come on, we don't bring that because it sounds forced and far-fetched. But honestly, a lot of the verses they bring sound much less forced and far-fetched than this one. Mm. Like, like, this is one I could see a Jew looking at and say, huh, how do we explain that? All right. 
well, there it means to write, but it does say to etch. You know, I I don't know. What do you got to say about this? Uh, my tongue is tied. Your tongue is tied. Uh, uh, oh, so I did. I really did some deep uh, research, and I did find one Christian. I, I take back what I said before. Gill's exposition of the entire Bible writes as follows, and I have this here in my notes. I missed it. He says, quote, some think respect is had to the wounds in the hands of Christ, which being on their account are looked upon and remembered by him. So there actually are Christians, I take it back, who bring this verse and say it refers to Jesus and the wounds in his hands. Um, In the context, is that what God is talking about in Isaiah? You know, imagine somebody you're in the public square and Isaiah preaches this and somebody is saying, oh, yeah, that's going to refer to something that's happening 700 years from now. I mean, that makes no sense. Okay. You got nothing for me. Nothing. Okay. Your builders hurry. Your destroyers and dis- devastators will depart from you. Lift up your eyes, Nehemiah, and look around. <laughs> it says Nehemiah? Yeah, it sure does. All yeah. of them gather together. They come to you as I... Oh, there, there it is. As I live, and you, we've talked about this high, you know. And that, high and, and, and this says, is high and instead of high Yehovah. As I live. Yeah. Neum Yehovah declares Yehovah. You will surely put on all of them as jewels, as jewels, and bind them on as a bride. Mm-hmm. Huh. So this is a cool verse. Yeah, it really is. Because we've got the Gentiles and the lost Israelites being kibbutzed. Mm-hmm. They're being gathered. We had that verb for the that God mm-hmm. kibbutzes us. He's, he gathers us in. And we've got, it's like there's two groups here that are being gathered in. Mm-hmm. And why do I say that? Verse 17, mm-hmm. your builders and your destroyers. Yep. Who have come out from you. So we've got, we've kind of got these two groups that are, okay, now it's time for, you know, enough of the destruction, enough of the, come on, I'm going to gather both of you in. Mm. For your waste and desolate places and your destroyed land, surely now you will be too cramped for the inhabitants. Was that what that says? Wait, hold on. Okay, no. Where, where they're sitting or where, where they're living. Surely now you will be too cramped and those who swallowed you will be far away. Now, I got to tell folks this, you know, and, and this is what we said earlier about Isaiah. We're in an Isaiah series right now on Prophet Pearls. And 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 I've always found, Hemi, I don't know if it's been, if it's, it's also been your experience, that whenever I'm studying Isaiah, this, Ezekiel is kind of like this for me too. Well, a lot of the prophets are, but but, but when, you, when you get into this sort of stuff and you start and you just take one verse, it just seems like the levels of what's being said can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. And sometimes I have to kind of like back away. And, 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 and in this situation, I'm not saying that this is some, you know, un, unfathomable understand. We can't understand what we're reading. But just in terms of how far you can go when you're when you're studying it, you really can go quite a ways. Yeah. So he says here, uh, the children of whom you were bereaved. Well, yet I'm in verse 20. The children of whom you were bereaved will yet say in your ears, the place is too cramped for me. Mm-hmm. Make room for me that I may live, not live here, that I may live. Or my Lord, that I may dwell. That I may dwell. And, and of course, in modern Israel, there's a housing shortage. If you ask Israelis, what's your number one issue you're concerned about? Most Israelis won't say terrorism or war. They won't even say being a friar anymore. The biggest issue today is housing shortage. Mm. And is this because of the cost or because of availability? The lack of there's too many people in a small land, and in addition, we have these foreigners who are squeezing us out. We have the Americans who are pressuring us, don't build in your capital. We have the the Arabs who are pressuring us, don't build, you know, too close to this and too close to that. And you know, and and we've got all these people who've come, and, and it's exactly what it says. There's too narrow a space. Mm. So that's happening now. This is, this is a reality today. Mm. Yeah. 
Now, I'm going to be going to 22. What do you want to do about 21? Um, You're supposed to want to do something with that. Let's talk about it. Come on. You've been using this forever. I have. Are you not going to deal with the issue that you've been a wanderer? Can you read the verse? <laughs> then you will say in your heart, who has begotten these for me? Since I have been bereaved of my children, I'm barren and exile and a wanderer. The reason I wouldn't have brought this verse to apply it to me. Well, keep, keep finish the verse. And who has reared these? Behold, I was left alone. From where did these come? Hmm. Yeah, so I wouldn't have applied this to me because it's in the feminine. <laughs> it's speaking about Israel as the, the mother Israel, so to speak. I was trying to see if you want to take on a little bit of, you know, you know, open open your open things up a little but, bit. But here's here's where it is relevant, this verse, and where it's a really powerful verse. So literally I would translate this, who begat me these? In other mm. words, the woman of Israel is saying, Where did all these people come from? Where are all these people from? And, and it's pretty cool. It's speaking about this ingathering of the nations together with Israel. These are all the nations. Um, you know, from the nations who are gathered to Israel's covenant and mother Israel is looking, wow, there's, there's so many people here. Where'd they all come from? Exactly. They came from Africa. They came from East Asia. They came from, you know, from all over the world. Thus says Yehovah. All right. Says, and here it says Adonai Yehovah. Uh -huh. So in English it says okay. L, capital L, small O-R-D, God. Is mm -hmm. uh, G, capital G, capital O, capital D is actually referring to yud heh vav -Hey, for those who don't know. Mm -hmm. Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and set up my standard... Oh, I remember that brings me back to uh, to Moses mm. uh, and set up my standard to the peoples and they will bring your sons into their bosom and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. Kings will be your guardians and their princes, your nurses, princesses, mm -hmm. your nurses. They will bow down to you with their faces to the earth and kick and lick the dust of your feet. And you will know that I am Yehovah. Now, th those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. And I want to say. Uh, when you read that ahead of time and it says, and you will know. So let's just, uh, from a practical standpoint, how will you know that I am Yehovah? By what's going to happen before? I'm going to lift up my hand to the nations. This is what I'm going to do. Kings will be your guardians and their princesses, your nurses. They're going to bow down to you with their faces to the earth. Who's going to do that? The kings and the princesses? The foreign nations. Wow. And lick the dust of your feet? Yeah. They're going to be in a place of humility. And then you're going to know yeah. that I am Yehovah. And this is a really interesting passage because we've got two different kind of models going on. Mm -hmm. And they're both in this passage. It's interesting. Um, but we, we've seen this like in Isaiah, for example. Well, I mean, another passage like Isaiah 56, the Gentile who joins himself to Yehovah, yep. part of Israel, no question mm -hmm. about it. But then you look, for example, at other passages like people go look, read Isaiah 14. And, and, there, and there's really two models there. The Gentiles who join themselves to Israel and they're part of Israel. And we these other Gentiles who kind of like, maybe they come too late. Mm. And so they're, they're part of Israel, but they're kind of, you know, here they're, I mean, the nations are bowing down to Israel. I mean, which is interesting. And by the way, it doesn't say that they're worshiping Israel. Right. Um, they're bowing down with their faces to the ground out of respect. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean, like, it obviously doesn't mean worship because no one says Israel's God. Amen. Um, you know, heaven forbid. Um, it's interesting because Israel here is feminine and likened to a mother. Uh -huh. And we have that image before that the mother Israel has rejected her children, even though Mother Yehovah hasn't rejected them. Uh -huh. Yehovah never rejects their children. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This is interesting. Have you ever used the phrase before, Mother Yehovah? No. You just used it. I did, uh, this yeah. is the first time that I've ever heard. But that. it's here in the past. No, I'm just saying it's the first time I've ever heard you use it's that. It's the first time I've ever used it. Yeah. I, so this is not something you've ever said before. No. So really, no. So my ears were tingling. Like, what did he just say? Right. But of course, this is not literal. He's not literally a mother, just like he's not literally a father. It's a metaphor. 
I mean, maybe you think it's a literal metaphor, but I don't know what that is. A literal metaphor. It's a first. Okay. Are okay. You, are, are you nervous? I am nervous. Why are you nervous? No, I'm, I'm, just like I'm, I'm just saying. Can we read the verse again? Please now? read it again. No, let's go back to the verse where we have this image of Yehovah as a woman, mm. which is verse 15. Read it again. Hatishkach isha ula merachem ben bidna. Shall a woman forget her, her, uh, you know, her child, um, that which comes out of the womb, uh, uh, from her womb, the son of her, her, her belly, the, even if these forget, I will not forget you. So Yehovah is likening himself to a woman saying, I, I'm not going to forget you the way that these women will forget their children. Okay. Can, can you read just real quick, read verse uh, what verse was that? Um, 23. Yeah. 23? Yeah, verse 23. Kings will be your guardians and their princesses your nurses. They will bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick the dust of your feet. And you will know that I am Yahweh. Those hmm. who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a really interesting passage. So I read it twice and that's all you're going to say. Well... So, so I don't know. I struggle with this. So why are the Gentiles bowing down to Israel? Um, what do you got to say about that? <clears throat> what does it say? They'll know that it's Yehovah. That he flips the, he flips the, he flips the. And, and maybe this is the image of the enemies of Israel will be subjugated mm -hmm. under the rule of the King Messiah. He'll defeat them, and they'll come and say, "Wow, you're the king." That doesn't seem like to be such a far-fetched issue at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. All right. Uh, can the prey be taken from the mighty man or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? Surely, thus says Yehovah, even the captives of the mighty man will be taken away. And the this is, I love the verse connected to the verse. And the prey of the tyrant will be rescued for I will. Here's what it says. I will contend with the one who contends with you. Now, we use this word before this word. Reeve. Yeah. Reeve. Yeah. And I think in that situation, when we said it was different, we were, we were talking about that. To we enter into a dispute. Yeah, argument, like a, a dispute. Legal yeah. Dispute. And then it says, and I will save your sons. Oshia. Oshia. I will save your sons. I will save your sons. Can you read the next part? Okay. Wow. Let me, let me read that in the JPS. It's a beautiful verse. Uh, oh, I'm on 49 and 26. I've got to open up my English here. Um, I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh, and they shall be drunk with their own blood as with wine. Then all flesh shall know that I, Yehovah, I'm your Yehovah, your Savior, and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Mm -hmm. I love that, all flesh, which mm -hmm. means not this isn't just for Jews. This isn't for Gentiles. This is for all human beings and maybe beyond all human beings. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it's all living creatures. I don't know. But mm -hmm. everyone will know that Yehovah is the Moshiach, the Savior, and he's the Goel Redeemer. So I have a question. It says here in 50 verse 1. Yes. Where's the book of divorce? Mm -hmm. Does it not say that? Yeah. Where's the, Where where's is the, the, the book of divorce or the certificate of separation? By which I have sent your mother away. Yeah. Or to whom of my creditors did I sell you? Behold, you were sold for your iniquities and your transgressions. Your mother was sent away. Yeah. Now, who's now as, as, as Isaiah is doing this, let's just put this in context. So we have the one example where Isaiah is up standing and he's preaching. 
you know, in the square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and in this situation, is Isaiah in his study? Is he is he writing? Is he no? He's, he's, speaking. he's speaking. Isaiah is a speaking prophet. He isn't right. Okay, I mean, so maybe he writes, but his main thing is speaking. And that's one of the big differences between the prophets and Daniel. Mm-hmm. Daniel sat down and wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah didn't sit down and write a book. He prophesied. Later, God said, you know, have Baruch, the scribe, come and write down what you prophesied. You know, mm-hmm. remember all your prophecies and we'll write them down. Mm-hmm. But originally, he's standing in the public square. He's walking through the streets, just like Jonah, and saying, 40 days and Inveh will be overthrown. And, and you know, some of these prophecies are a little longer, but he's, he's preaching to the people. He's preaching in the royal court. He's he's preaching this. This is you know. So you don't think that there was preach. a. You, you, so what, let me ask you this question: Do you think mm-hmm. that Isaiah then, after he was done preaching, said, "Boy, that was good stuff." Um, I don't even. Know that, that, that was good. That was good he stuff. Was we got to write this. These down. weren't his words. These were Yehovah's <laughs> words. At some point, he he wrote it down, or someone wrote it down. Mm. You think it was Isaiah? I have no idea. Wow. Meaning, huh. it was under his direction. I'm sure whether mm-hmm. it was him or not, I, I couldn't tell you. Baruch wrote the book of Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. We're told that. Yep. And, and they and they asked Baruch, how was this written? He said, Jeremiah would speak and I would write. <laughs> I love that. And then later they blamed Jeremiah. They blamed Baruch for the words. They said, Baruch, the son of Neriah, is inciting him against he's us. Inciting. Wait a minute. <laughs> he's just the scribe. Look, he's, I'm just the writer. I'm just, he's just the pen. <laughs> I'm just the pen. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So my this goodness. is interesting because we've got two metaphors here. One of Israel as is a divorced woman. And the other, Israel being sold into slavery for a debt. Mm-hmm. Two different metaphors side by side. Yep. Now, I want to say this, Nehemiah, again, we talked about this last time, and we're going to have to talk about it again this time, and that's pertaining to what we can have people do that would be, you know, because like I say, we're moving people along. They've been they've been listening. What's like a really good homework for them? Like, what would be a good passage or section for them to really look, take a little look at in depth and give us their, give us their opinions on? Like, is there, is there a natural, is there a natural, like 50 verse 1 up until 50 verse 3? homework? Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me just look here. Um, so how far does this go? 51.3? No, I'm confused. Yeah, no, no, no. We're going, we're going to 51. That's what I'm saying. We need 51, to get to 51.3. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, because I've got stuff here about 51.4. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, these, this is in the early parts of, of 50. Is there, is there, yeah. is there a section um, that we can give them to say, hey, listen, we want you to look at this. In other words, I want them, here's what I want to do. Let me be honest. I want people yeah. to do profit pros for us. And for others, I want them to sit down with the section so here, that we haven't addressed. Good. So 50 verse 1 has the metaphor of Israel as a divorced woman. There we go. Go through and look, especially in Ezekiel, and find the other places where God speaks about this metaphor of Israel as a divorced woman. Mm-hmm. And and also the covenant relationship between Israel and God as a man and a woman being married. And we talked about this, by the way, in mm-hmm. Hosea, where he says, and I will betroth you to me forever. But go and make make a list and look at some of the differences and look at the similarities. Could, could, could they do that? Is there how long is the section? Could they could they do that for? Well, for Isaiah fifty one fifty so verse one, one, one verse three. Yeah, it's up to verse three. There's really, two, yeah, two sure, yeah. For okay. Fifty verses one through three, but mainly verse one. Go and find other places mm-hmm. where we have this image of of Israel as a divorced woman. So it says he says, uh, and you know I got to just tell you, it's it's funny because you have this um, you have this this time where you use different words for different things this happens to be one of them i think it says yehovah god has given me the tongue of and i don't know how many different translations would do it different it says the tongue of disciples that i may know how to sustain the weary what verse are you in yeah this is 50 verse 4 oh 4 okay yeah has given me the tongue of disciples that i may know how to sustain the weary one with a word 
Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, so what what is what is what is this uh disciples? I, I don't know. I mean Limudim are students. So these are students. Yeah. That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. So here's where it gets a little complicated because mm-hmm. the Hebrew word laut, mm-hmm. which you translate as sustain, is um a hapax legomenon. It's it's a unique word that only appears here in the entire history of the Hebrew language. Mm-hmm. And we have no clue what it really means. So you literally could make this to know how to blank the weird. Those who are tired of word, those who are tired of the matter. I've got no idea what this verse means. Yeah. So when I'm looking, that's why I, I, I'm saying, so I've been given the tongue of a, a student. Yeah. Or, okay. That I may know how to what? Something. Here's the basic message of this. This is a separate prophecy beginning in verse four. But the mm-hmm. basic message is Isaiah is suffering at the hands of those who don't want to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. The specifics of verse 4, I'm not really sure. But that's the basic message. Right. They're beating him on the back. They're whipping him. You know, he's, he's suffering. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen to as, also again, as a disciple. Mm-hmm. Man, that's interesting. Yeah. He, Yehovah God, has opened my ear and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. Now, that's exciting to me. Because he's the one that opens the ear. He's the one that gives the revelation or he's the one that gives the word. He's the one that gives you the place that you can understand. Then he says, I was not disobedient. The word came and I did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I said to them, here, here's my back. Strike me. <laughs> Is this where you get to turn the other cheek and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard? Mm. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. Like what's going on here? I mean, so there's the words to causing that kind of a response. Isaiah is unpopular. <laughs> you, think, you think, you know, him speaking these words are... are Repent your sinners. Whoa, whoa, whoa. People don't want to hear that. Mm. Yeah. Well, he says, look, I am... Yehovah helps me. I'm not mm-hmm. disgraced. Mm-hmm. I've set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Boy, I wish there were more people like this. And he who vindicates me is near. Who will... And then again, again. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other. Who has a case against me? And there again, he's like, he, he's bringing, you know, he's bringing the, the language. Let him draw near to me. Behold, Yehovah God helps me. Who is he who condemns me? Behold, they will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them. One more verse before we switch here. Mm-hmm. Who is among you that fears Yehovah? I am. That obeys the voice of his servant. That walks in darkness and has no light. Let him trust in the name of Yehovah and rely on his God. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Preach, brother. Let him trust in the name of Yehovah and let him lean on his God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like God is the, is, the, is the walking stick and, you know, you're weary and you're tired and it's mm-hmm. dark and you can lean on him. Mm-hmm. Lean on. Behold all who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with firebrands. Walk in the light of your fire and among the brands you have set ablaze. This you will have from my hand. You will lie down in torment. And I think what's hard about this, you know, I got to say, is like you're going from Isaiah, you're talking about Isaiah, and then you're talking about the people, and then it switches again, and you've got to be sure as you're you're driving through these verses, who are we talking about? What's the context that we're talking about? Mm -hmm. I mean, and look, we we, we talked about it before. We switched in 40 verse 1, and now we're up into 50. We're really talking about, from 40 verse 1 till now, we talked about these sections. Mm-hmm. So what section are we in? What would you say as far as the prop, the, the prophetic background? What would you what would you call the context here 
in terms of what he's talking about? Is there a, is there a name for the section? I mean, clearly, I, I don't know. If there's a name for a section. I mean, there mm-hmm. is. It's part of the comfort. Mm-hmm. This isn't a very comforting passage. I was going to say this is what I'm trying to. <laughs> so get not to. everything in there. As I'm trying not, to get to this, it's not uniform. Yeah, there's this suffering servant, mm-hmm. um, and it seems to me like Isaiah is the suffering servant. But as you say, maybe that suffering servant is also symbolically Israel mm-hmm. or refers to some other figure. But primarily, I think it's Isaiah who's talking about his own experience. Stuff's really bad, even though he's got a message, a message of hope. And there is the message of hope for the comfort. Those who are walking in the darkness and there's no light for them, they can trust in the name of Yehovah and lean on, their, on his God. So on the one hand, there is this, um, you know, this, this darkness, but also there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I'm going to do something. Boy, oh boy, folks, you know, we're, we're, yeah. getting, we're getting down to the end. I'm going to do something kind of controversial. So you'll say, Keith, give me, tell me what you think about this. And you'll tell me about these messianics or different people that will come and speak to you. I want to ask you a hard question. Sure. Here. This is a hard question. So if you get that kind of stuff where people mm-hmm. are coming to you, taking things out of context, asking you questions, uh, asking you, don't you see it? When are your eyes going to be open? Why don't your ears open? And you're sitting there. So my question is this. Why do you do this? Why do you put yourself as a target for people that are going to come Why do I show you? them my back and yeah. turn my cheeks so they can pull out I'm my beard? I'm trying to help you. So why, why, why is this? I've, I've been in situations with you. I was in a situation one time. I'll never forget it. We were getting off a plane. We had traveled probably, this was some years ago, so you probably aren't going to remember this. We were traveling from place to place. We got off a plane. We were picked up by a couple. And as we got picked up by this couple, you do remember this. Yes. And uh, we're walking to the restaurant. They're going to take us to lunch before we go speak. And the lady just asked you a question. I mean, she meets you for five minutes and she says, so um, why don't you believe in Yeshua? And, uh, and I think it was put like, why don't you believe in Yeshua yet? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. So That's you asked this question. And then you you said um, you said something like um, I said I guess that's not my fa- the father's plan for me just yet. Uh, yeah, you haven't you like, haven't come, you haven't to, come that? to that. So here's okay. So let me let me confess. Let, now. Like, we, we've a, been going yeah. through this. We've been going through mm-hmm. this, and and there's this uncomfortable thing that happens. There's yeah. an uncomfortable thing that happens, and I'm, yeah. I, I think it will be a blessing hmm. as we're reading this, um, where where you're bringing your experience, and and so you'll say the sometimes the messianics or the Christians and. Yeah. And whatever. And there there are times where I'll think, boy, you know, why do people do that? You know, your mom brought this example. Yeah. Bubby Dina, if you're listening, she, she, I told it before. She, you know, yeah. she's at a, she's up in the Galilee and a woman comes up to her and just asks mm-hmm. her a question. Doesn't know anything yeah. about her. No relationship with her. Doesn't know who she is, where she is, where she comes from. Well, she, she looks she's at Jewish. She's, she's Jewish. She's maybe she's Orthodox. She's got what do you call that again? The tichel. She's wearing a she's, like, yeah, head covering, a little head covering. And she goes up and she hits her over the head with this whole thing. And I got to be honest with you. And mm-hmm. so I'm asking you this question. So why do you do it? Hmm. Why, why do, do you, I interact with you? Why do you, why do you put yourself in position? Because I feel like to... I've been called to, to empower people with information. You know, that's, that's what I'm about. That's what my ministry is about. And there's people out there who want information, who want to understand things in their original history, language, and context. And, um, and you know, and, and I feel like that's what I've been called to do. And, my, and, and you know, for those who think like, oh, you know, he, well, why is he telling us that, you know, uh, this isn't the doctrine or that's not the right, doctrine. That's, right. not, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm, what I'm saying is let's understand this in its original history, language, and context. If afterwards so, you want to say, okay, we've got to have this theology, we've got to have that doctrine, go right ahead. That's fine. But first understand it in the original history, language, and context. So you bring these examples, though, where yeah. people are taking it out of context. And right. your reason for that would be what? That uh, this is what we're doing in Prophet Pearls. We're trying to understand. The pearl here is to understand the original history, language, and context. And again, like I said, if you want to take this allegorically or symbolically, 
that's your that's fine. That's you know you can do that. That's you know that's that's something you need to work out for yourself in fear and trembling with prayer and study before the creator of the universe. But first, understand the literal meaning. And look, there have been instances where I said, you know, here is Nehemiah's homiletical interpretation. Here's Nehemiah's explanation, yeah. which is beyond what it says in in in, in the verses. And first, I'm understanding the literal contextual understanding, and then I'm saying, okay, maybe here's how I can apply it, and maybe I'm wrong. Um, that's fine. You know, that's my right to do that, and it's your right to do that. And I've got no problem with people who want to do that. What I say is, if you believe in that, you need to be empowered with information. And I think you'll you'll be a, you'll have more faith in your faith if you understand the Word of God in its original history, language, and context. Can I get an amen? Amen. I believe in that. I believe okay. in that. Yeah. People do need to understand it, so that when you do go, whether whatever text it is, yeah. that you understand what 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 it was meant. And we're not talking about you know someone's interpretation. We're talking about what the actual meaning of the scripture was like i said language history and context mm-hmm. um i guess my my the reason i asked it from an application standpoint yeah. is you have a ministry that in yeah. that you do interact with people that don't oh, yeah. believe like you are that some do so don't jews christians anybody who wants to understand the the word of god based on the ancient hebrew sources i feel like i've been called to empower those people with information okay and and in a way that doesn't beat them over the head with you know you you must you know you know, de- you know, denounce this or change it. That's not what I'm about. You know what? If you want to understand the word of God in the original history, language, and context, um, to go back to the ancient Hebrew sources, that's what Makor Hebrew Foundation, that's what NehemiahsWall.com is about. Okay. All right. And the reason I'm bringing that up, Nehemiah, yeah. is I do think if someone's not, if they don't know you, they don't know, they don't have a background, they don't get yeah. a chance to, you know, watch your, as you say, your walk, your journey, yeah. um, you know, they would hear that and say, oh, you know, you know, why is he bringing up that example? Well, you're bringing up that example, not to leave it there, but to say, look, here's an example where something's taken out of context. Let's find out what it really does say. And I think what the people are doing when they take it out of context is they're setting up the, you know, you'll have these leaders who will do this. They're setting up the people to fail. Because then all it takes is a little Google search or reading the word of God is all it takes for someone to come along the verse where they say, "Uh oh, my whole faith was built on this premise that I was taught by some rabbi or some some pastor. And Isaiah says the opposite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How how come I was never told this? And that's the empowering. And and, and that's the lack of empowerment Mm -hmm. when they're basing themselves on what people say and they're not and it's not based on script and and one single verse. And it's not single verse. A lot of verses um, will will be contrary to what they're being taught. Um, you know, that's the foundation of sand. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. I know you, you got the BFA International, <laughs> give your pitch. Yeah. There, there, there's those giant foundation stones that, that held up the temple. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the image I know in, in your ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and look, that's true. We've, you know, I'm, you know, yeah. And, and I think, and I just, no, I want to say this. I, so, so on the other hand, people would say, well, mm-hmm. Keith, you know, let's make this an apologetics um, mm. deal. Let's, let's, every time we hear something, let's argue about what it isn't or something like that, or let's have a debate. And you know, Nehemiah, from the very beginning, um, you haven't done so well in terms of wanting to have debates. Uh, you have, you, in fact, we've gotten in situations where, where, where my, where what I was doing was based on your willingness or an unwillingness to, uh, to have a debate. And I actually want to tell you, I'm glad that you didn't enter in, into those, those types of things. Because I'm not sure that what the end what the end result is of those who say we're going to spend our time debating. If I'm coming to debate, 
I'm coming with what I already believe in. I'm not coming to try to hear you. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to fight you. And if you're coming to debate, you're coming to do what you're doing. And so we don't even get in debates. Mm-hmm. Isn't it fair? I mean, we don't get into those types of debates. What we well, do I, get I into. What we're doing is walking on the common ground, searching for the truth. And, together. and yeah, and I'm saying what we and do. And there's things that we won't agree and on. And there are things we don't agree and on. Fine. And there's things that, and there are things that we talk about that aren't, aren't public. And there are things that we talk yeah. about that aren't radio, uh, right. you know. Well, and, and here's and the discuss, other thing. But yeah. I, I want to say something about it. What, mm-hmm. what, what frustrates me at the, I have to just be honest. What frustrates me is I just feel like there's so much. And we talked about this when we did the, the issue of positivity. There's so much negative out there, mm-hmm. you know, and there's so much confusion that's out there. It just, you know, I, it's so refreshing to me when we do open the scripture and we get to the scripture and we say, so let's look at this. What does it say? What did Isaiah mean? How can we apply it today? Mm-hmm. And all that other stuff that these people do is just, I got to be honest, it's frustrating to me. And sometimes it's embarrassing. Can I say that? It's embarrassing that the, the sorts of things that are being taught out there and that people are taking without checking it for themselves. And then they go and they bring it to someone. And I don't know how many lunches and dinners I've been at with you where someone comes and says, I, can I give you my theory based on the Hebrew? And they don't know what they're talking about. It's frustrating to me. So that's it. I feel your frustration. No, let's. Well, and, and, you know, and and here's, you know, my, um, you know, appeal to people, which is, you know, or what I'm asking people to do is, you know what? Don't take everything I say. Go check it for yourself. And if you if you if you've studied it for yourself and you've interacted with it yourself and you and you've worked it out for yourself in, in uh, you know, fear and trembling with prayer and study and you say, you know what? Nehemi is wrong. Yep. You know, he read that verse and he, and he didn't understand it. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I want you to be able to interact with it yourself. And, and, you know, and if that's where God leads you, that's what the creator of the universe leads you, then that's part of your walk and your experience with God. And that's fine. But I think it's worthwhile to know what the other side has to say. And sometimes I'll bring the Christian or the Messianic side, um, even though I disagree with it. So people know what that is. So my mm-hmm. Jewish brothers and sisters will know what that mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do think it's important to know what both sides of the argument are. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And both, and both perspectives. Because I'll, I'll talk to people and they'll say, how is it that you don't see X, Y, Z? And I'll say, okay, let's just read the verse together. And they're like, wow, how, how come that never even occurred to me what you mm-hmm. just said? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it's better to prepare people with that. Meaning, mm-hmm. okay, you want to say that, you know, this refers to, you know, whatever, that's fine. But first know what the other perspective is. Mm-hmm. And then if you still want to say it first that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of your walk with the creator of the universe. Work it out with prayer, prayer and study, fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, I only have one yeah. thing else I want to say. Look yeah. to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave birth to you in pain. Amen. When he was but one, I called him. Mm-hmm. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. And so I'm sitting here today mm-hmm. and I'm looking in a land right now where there are a multiple, a, a multitude of people who could look to Abraham and say, Abraham is our father. Mm-hmm. And, and did he not do this? Did he not bless him? Did he not multiply him? He says, look up to the stars. You can't count how many people will, will, will come from you. And I just, I'm sitting here and I just have to say, wow, isn't that, you know, mm-hmm. isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah. He called him and he multiplied him. Amen. And there's one more verse. You can talk about it. I'm actually. Uh, um, that, Go ahead. Read it. No, no. And indeed, Yehovah will comfort Zion back to comfort, 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 comfort. Nicham, nicham. Yes. He will comfort all her waste places and her wilderness. He will make like Eden and her desert like the garden of Yehovah. By the way, I got to tell you, folks, if you've never been to Israel, there are times when you'll be out in the desert. It feels feels like it's the desert. And then you'll look over and see palm trees. 
or you'll look over and see all these green things just like yeah. shooting out of the ground and like in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Where there's a spring of water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and her desert, like the garden of Yehovah, joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and sound of a melody. In fact, that's what I want to do right now is I want to go out and sing. I want to go out and thank him. I want to go out and look around and say, boy, it's amazing to be in the land, to look at it and to say, you know what? This was prophetically spoken by Isaiah. How many things changed since Isaiah spoke? How many shifts? How many governments? How many groups? How many people? And now I can go out with joy and gladness today mm-hmm. and be found in her joy and gladness today. Today, You know, in fact, you know, Nehemiah, you know, folks, if you're listening, uh, you are listening. Tomorrow morning, we're actually going to be going to the Temple Mount. And Nehemiah did a really great thing. I've been, I'm going to talk about this more after we come back. Mm-hmm. But, but you did something. You called and checked to say, okay, we're, hey, we're coming on a Wednesday. They said, yeah, you might not want to come on a Thursday. Why? Because there will be many bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs or whatever that's, that's taking place. And if you've ever been, we, uh, you have, of course, whether it's weddings or something like that, where you see the joy of the people singing and dancing. And, and you talked about the Torah scroll being brought through the streets and the police stopping the streets. Mm-hmm. This actually happens. Mm. Joy and gladness found in her. Yes, there are sirens. Yes, there are terrorists. Yes, there are things. Even this week, again, Nehemiah, we've had two terrorist attacks, one in Tel Aviv. That just took place on Monday, which would have been yesterday, and the one that took place last Friday. These things are happening. It's reality here, but it's also reality that we hear joy and gladness in the streets. Mm-hmm. So with that, it's your turn to, if you'd like to, maybe you have a song, maybe you don't. Maybe you want to <laughs> I sing. don't have a song. Okay. I do have a prayer. Yehovah, the comforter Zion. Yehovah, I ask for you to comfort your people. To comfort your city, Jerusalem, and your people, Israel, and all those who call on your name, Yehovah. Yehovah, I ask you to open up our eyes so that we may see the wonderful hidden things of your Torah. Yehovah, I ask those who, who know that they have the truth to open up their eyes to the other perspective. Hmm. And may that strengthen their knowledge of the truth, not to undermine their faith or destroy their faith. Yehovah, I, I speak this before you and I say... Open the eyes of those who are convinced they have the truth to understand the other perspective so that it strengthens them in their knowledge of mm. you and your understanding of you. And Yehovah, I come before you in humility and say, I do not have all the answers. I do not have everything. I don't know everything. There are many things that are hidden to me and unknown to me. And I ask you to uncover my eyes to know those things. And, 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 I, and I'm so, so grateful that you let me hear all these different perspectives. And I know sometimes I'll first hear that perspective, Yehovah, and I'll think, how ridiculous, how silly. And as I pray and I study before you and, and come before you in humility, you open my eyes and I see, wow, what I didn't think was true before, now I realize how deep and profound and beautiful that is. And, mm-hmm. and I ask you to give me that beautiful knowledge, that beautiful, comforting knowledge of your truth. Because that's all I've ever wanted, Jehovah, is your truth, to know you and to understand your word. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com. International.com.